yeah, Scoop was our, our was our uh, our leader and captain. Being that he had been in the program for two years, um, he took a jump uh, just with using his uh, voice. I think last year when he came in at 17, it was kind of tough for him to leave because he was the youngest on the team. But I thought this year coming back with the experience of the G season, um, the expectations, I think his leadership grew and, and that's, that's what uh, helped our team uh, this year. He's a talent, he's young, you know, he's 19 years old and he has a world of talent. So I, I think that, uh, you know, him going to Portland, Look like the, they want to get the best talent. And being that he has a crazy work ethic, he's going to continue to get better and grow. And he's just scratching the surface of, of, of his potential. So I, I think um, they got a very good uh, young man, first and foremost. He's a very good kid. And then he's a hard worker. And I think we had those two combinations with talent. I think that he could be a good player. His NBA-ready skill right now is his, uh, his athleticism, obviously, and his strength. I think a lot of times, you know, when you're a rookie, you got to kind of work on your body. So he, he has a strength and athleticism right now, today, along with his quickness. But um, obviously the comparisons are like the, the John Wall and the Derrick Rose. But as he's getting older and his vision's getting better, he's kind of morphing into like Jason Kidd because he likes to rebound, push it, and pass. So he's like young Jason Kidd. I don't know if you guys are young, old enough to know young Jason Kidd, but he's kind of like a young Jason Kidd because he's kind of – Kind of like the same size. Scooter's about 6'4". I know a lot of, they all kind of had him at 6'2", but he's he's bigger than 6'2". Scooter's a basketball player at the end of the day. Uh, he played, played alongside some good players for us. So I just think for him, he, you know, he will adjust and learn Dame game and just, you know, figure out how he can uh, be his best playing next to him. But I think he'll be excited to play next to Dame. He's a Hall of Famer. Hey, Rip City. This is Anthony Simons. And it's time to open the briefcase with Casey Hodo. Greetings, Blizzard fans, and welcome to the briefcase, episode 47 of the briefcase. I am your host, Casey Holdall, and that was Jason Hart, Scoot Henderson's head coach at the G League Ignite for the last two seasons. Hart is one of the few people who has actually seen Scoot up close and personal, so his words carry quite a bit more weight, at least with me, than those whose intel consists of little more than watching a few highlight packages of Scoot's time with the Ignite. But we're all about ready to get a better sense of who Scoot Henderson is as a player as the team begins practices for the 2023 Las Vegas Summer League this weekend at the practice facility in Tualatin. And while there's already tons of excitement for seeing what Scoot can do in his first salvo as a trailblazer, the somewhat surprising inclusion of one player on Portland's Summer League roster just made their upcoming run in Las Vegas arguably the most intriguing storyline at this year's event. We'll talk about Portland's Summer League roster and consider the beginning of free agency on this edition of The Briefcase. The Trailblazers released their 16-man roster for the 2023 NBA Summer League today, and for the most part, it's about what you would expect. Scoot Henderson, Chris Murray, and Ryan Rupert are all playing, as was stated at the introductory press conference for all three players last week. Then there's forward Justin Manaya and guard Nate Williams, both of whom Portland signed late last season on the Summer League roster as well. I think there's a good chance both those guys end up playing for the Rip City remix in their inaugural season, but if nothing else, they're playing for the Blazers in Las Vegas. Michael DeVoe, a 6-4 guard who last played with the Ontario Clippers, is also on the roster, so it's very possible that he ends up sticking around after the Summer League in one way or another as well. As for the players fresh out of college, Antoine Davis, who just came short of passing Pistol Pete Rinovich's all-time NCAA scoring record during his four seasons at Detroit Mercy, has reportedly signed an Exhibit 10 contract with the Blazers, so he'll try to play his way under the roster, be it the Trailblazers or the Remix, at Summer League. Same goes for Malachi Smith, who went undrafted out of Gonzaga, but has reportedly also signed an Exhibit 10 contract with the Blazers, and he will also play for Portland's Summer League team. Those parts aren't reported. Those are actual facts. The Exhibit 10 pieces, the team hasn't actually announced those yet, so I can't say that's 100% locked in. 
but I would imagine if you heard that, it's probably correct. Then there's the international contingent of Portland Summer League roster, which is comprised of 7-4 center Christ Kumaji, who would last played for Alba Berlin, guard Jazik Lotti, who last played for Monthay, and center Duop Reith, who last played for Al Riadi. And that brings us finally to the returning players on the roster. Both Ibu Baji and John Butler Jr. are in, same with Keon Johnson and Jabari Walker, both of whom helped Portland win the Las Vegas Summer League Championship last year. So that's all pretty standard for our Summer League roster. But the headline from the Trailblazers Summer League roster releases that Shaden Sharp, who only played a few minutes at last year's Summer League due to his shoulder injury, is going to play in Las Vegas this time around. Or, I suppose at this point it's safer to say he is on the Summer League roster. I asked at the end of the season about Shaden playing at Summer League, and I was told that he would not be participating at that point, though apparently there's been a change of heart. And what luck for those of us wanting to see how Shaden and Scoot might look as a backcourt. I haven't gone through the rosters of the other 29 teams, but I would have to imagine a Shaden Sharp... Scoot Henderson backcourt would be the most athletic in Summer League and makes whatever minutes they play together must-see television. Seeing how Shaden has progressed since the end of the season would be an interesting enough story, but getting a first look at the Scoot-Shaden combo really ups the excitement, and there was already quite a bit of excitement just with the rookies anyways. Of course, the caveat with Summer League is that it's hard to tell just how much guys like Shaden Sharp will end up playing, and to a lesser extent, the same goes for Scoot. While I'm sure they would love for guys who are going to be on the roster next season to develop some chemistry, getting through Summer League mostly unscathed is always the main goal, so we'll see just how much guys who are already likely in the rotation next season will actually play in Las Vegas. But my advice would be, make sure to catch the first few games, because the chances of everyone playing start to drop precipitously as we get further and further into the Summer League schedule. Basically, you do not want to miss out on any opportunity to see Shaden Sharp and Scoot Henderson on the court together. All right, now from players who are just getting their careers started to players who are trying to get their second contracts, let's go ahead and consider free agency. Starting Friday at 3 p.m., 6 o'clock on the East Coast, which is technically after you started listening to this podcast, though by now it has already started, the NBA's yearly moratorium goes into effect. What this means is that most official NBA business, such as trades and signing free agents, cannot be conducted until after the moratorium expires the morning of July 6th. However, some business, such as signing first-round picks to rookie-scale contracts, signing players to short-term veteran minimum deals, and or signing two-way players, is allowed during the moratorium. But what the moratorium really signals is the start of free agency. While teams and free agents cannot enter into official agreements until after the moratorium, mutually interested parties can negotiate terms with the intent of officially signing when business is allowed to resume a week later. But by being over the cap and under the tax, the Blazers can utilize the mid-level exception, which is expected to be somewhere in the area of $12.2 million per season, making it by far Portland's most useful tool in bringing in a free agent not currently on the roster. However, they also have the biannual exception, which is expected to be worth in the neighborhood of $4.4 million for the upcoming season. So even though they don't have any real cap space to speak of, they do have two exceptions with which to sign free agents. Those exceptions can be split up among multiple contracts and do not have to be used in full, though they can't be traded. And apparently, the new CBA has an exemption for signing second-round picks, which previously had to be done either with cap space or with parts of your existing exemptions. That, by the way, is how the team signed Jabari Walker last season. And typically, use exemptions to sign new free agents and bird rights to sign players already on your roster who have become free agents. And there's a new wrinkle this year. There's an air of uncertainty amongst teams due to the new collective bargaining agreement just released, despite the fact it goes into effect on July 1. While much of the previous CBA remains intact, changes to the hard cap and the apron, for instance, already seem to be having significant impacts on what teams can and can't do with regard to signing free agents, whether they be new free agents or returning free agents. And a point of order here, 
People who work for teams, such as myself, cannot say anything about free agency during the moratorium as the NBA has strict rules about such communications and is actually taken to enforcing those rules as of late, and I sure cannot afford to pay a fine, nor would I be able to live with myself if a free agent signing was disallowed because of unauthorized statements that I made, nor would I be able to keep my job at that point either, so that's not good for anybody. So while it's very possible that some of the Blazers that I'm about to talk about going into free agency have already come to some kind of deal... I am not going to be discussing those deals until after the moratorium ends. I'm sure you know where to find that information. I do not fault you at all for getting it. But again, I'm not going to be the reason why something in free agency goes sideways, so I'm not even going to take the chance. So here goes. First off, the team announced Friday afternoon that they have waived Trenton Watford, whose salary for the 2023-24 season would have become guaranteed at the end of the day had they not requested waivers on TWAT. The move came as a bit of a surprise to many, including myself, so it does make one wonder if it was a precursor to something bigger. Also, while they haven't said anything either way, it stands to reason at this point that the Trailblazers are not picking up the team option on Kevin Knox, who they acquired at the 2023 trade deadline. That doesn't mean that they can't bring him back, but if they do, it will likely be for less than the $3 million he was reportedly set to make had they picked up his option. Now, on to the free agents. Jeremy Grant, Justice Winslow, and Drew Eubanks are all unrestricted free agents. The Blazers have full bird rights on Grant, meaning they can go over the cap to sign him to a new deal, assuming it wasn't changed in the new CBA, that is, while also giving him a fifth year where others can only offer four years. They have early bird rights on both Winslow and Eubanks as well. And since the Trailblazers extended the qualifying offers this week, Matisse Thibel, Ibu Baji, and John Butler Jr. are all restricted free agents, meaning the Blazers can match any offer another team tenders to those players, and they can go over the cap to do those deals as well. Finally, there's Cam Reddish and Nathan Williams, both of whom would be restricted free agents were they given the qualifying offer, but as of this recording, that does not seem to be the case. And assuming that is true, both become unrestricted free agents, which, again, means it's a possibility of bringing those guys back, albeit likely on smaller deals. The team, and specifically Chauncey Billups, seem to be big fans of Reddish in particular, who they acquired at the 2023 trade deadline in the deal that sent Josh Hart to New York, though the $7-plus million he was reportedly be on the books for next season, had they extended the qualifying offer, is probably quite a bit more than he's likely to make as a free agent. And if they waive Trenton Watford in order to clear $1.8 million, keeping Reddish, who has the rookie-scale salary of a player selected with the 10th overall pick of the 2019 draft at his current contract, would be a bit surprising. But it's already been a bit of a surprising free agency period anyways, at least in terms of the number of players who decided to opt into contracts. Typically, when players have player options, they're about to hit free agency. Usually, that's a fairly lucrative time in a player's career, but this season... With the new CBA and with so many teams seeming like they're looking to cut money rather than add money, there just doesn't seem like there's the same amount of dollars out there for free agents this year as there have been in previous years. Which, we're the Trailblazers, is probably not a bad thing for you. In fact, it's a good thing for you. Now, granted, that's probably going to make the competition for players at that mid-level, which is around $12.2 million per season, difficult, as in those guys are probably going to have a lot of options If teams don't want to add too much money under their books, but they still want to bring in talent, the mid-level, either the full mid-level like the Blazers have, or the tax mid-level or the room mid-level, both of which are significantly less than the full mid-level, you're basically competing with every single team in the league for guys who are in that kind of $12 per season salary slot. Generally, the Blazers don't win a lot of those competitions, but hey, at some point in time, they got to get lucky. Maybe it'll be this year, maybe it won't, but at least they have the tools. And again, 
This year, a mid-level at around 12.3, 12.4 million is quite a bit of money compared to what other teams are offering, seeing as how most teams don't have any cap space and most teams just don't seem all that aggressive in terms of trying to bring in big name free agents. Not that there are many on the market this year either. That's probably also got something to do with the way that this year's free agency market is playing out, at least in the brief initial moments of it. And that is going to do it for this edition of The Briefcase. As mentioned, some early practice to start this weekend, so we'll have plenty of coverage of that on Trailblazers.com. Heading into their first game versus Eamon Thompson, Cam Whitmore, and the Houston Rockets on Friday, July 7th at 4 p.m. But until then, thank you for listening to this edition of The Briefcase. Please like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure that you're set up to be able to watch some early games because it should be pretty exciting. Check out Trailblazers.com and Trailblazers Social for everything you need to know about the upcoming Summer League practices, and we'll talk to you again later next week. Thank you for listening. Go Blazers!